0: Chapter Nineteen of Miss Marchbanks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Crandall. Miss Marchbanks by Mrs. Oliphant. Chapter Nineteen. Mr. Archdeacon Beverly was tall and strong, as was natural to a broad churchman, and when he took Willie's drawing in his hand, and held it up to his eyes, and began to express his sentiments on the subject, it did not occur to him that his shadow both physical and moral was quite blotting out the little figure down at his elbow whom he supposed to be the artist and whose face was crimson and her heart beating and her whole frame in a tremble of eagerness to disavow the honour and secure the credit of his work to willie who had still his name to make as for rose's explanations and descriptions they might as well have been uttered to a collection of deaf people for any effect they had upon the archdeacon who was discoursing about the picture in his own way, ever so far above her, or to his auditory, who were interested in what he was saying because he said it, and not because of any interest they had in the subject. Rose stood trembling with impatience, and a kind of feminine rage, deep down in the circle of white ladies, and under the shadow of the large black figure in the midst of them. The archdeacon might have stood very well for one of the clerical heroes upon whose arm the modern heroine thinks it would be sweet to lean, Who would guard her from the world and support her in trouble and make his manly bosom a bulwark for her against all injustice which indeed was a way of thinking of mr beverley which some of the ladies surrounding him at that moment might have been not disinclined to adopt as to be sure it was with the conception of his character which mrs chiley would very fain have impressed on miss marchbanks but as for rose on the contrary so far from thinking of clinging to his arm and being supported thereby her girlish impulse was to spring upon that elbow which was the only point accessible to her stature and box and pinch him into listening to the indignant disclaimers the eager protestations to which she gave no manner of attention but then it is well known that the point of view from which circumstances compel us to regard either a landscape or a person has everything to do with the opinion formed upon it willie was the genius of the lake family as may be divined and he was just then in london working very hard and thinking of making a name with still more fervid though less confident calculations than those of his little sister and the idea that she was appropriating his glory however unwillingly and depriving him for a moment of the honour due to him drove rose half frantic while at the same time nature had made her voice so soft and toned it so gently that all her efforts could not secure herself a hearing as for the audience in general It was, on the contrary, quite enchanted with the archdeacon's elucidation. It was not so much that he was entertaining, as that it was him, the highest clerical dignitary, who had been seen for a long time about Carlingford, possibly its future bishop, and a man who was said to have written articles in the reviews, and to be a friend of Dean Howard's, and very well received in the highest quarters. Such a man could not fail to be an authority on the subject of art." or indeed on any other subject which it might be his pleasure to discuss i recognize here a wonderful absence of conventionality said the archdeacon there is good in everything perhaps the want of any picture-gallery in the neighbourhood of carlingford which i have been so sorry to observe oh but i assure you sir john has a very nice collection of pictures said one of mr beverley's audience and dear lady richmond is so kind in letting one bring one's friends to see them "'She is such a sweet woman, don't you think so? "'I am sure my husband says—' "'Lady Richmond is a good, pure, gentlewoman,' "'said the archdeacon in his broad church way, "'summing up and settling the question. "'Everybody must be the better for knowing her. "'There is a great deal of very fine feeling "'for drapery in that mantle, "'and the boy's attitude is remarkable. "'There is a freedom in that leg, for example, "'which is extraordinary for a lady. "'But it is not a lady,' shrieked Rose, "'who was getting incoherent. And with difficulty, restrained herself from seizing Mr. Beverley's elbow. the Archdeacon this time gave a little glance down at her, and his eye caught her red trimmings and he smiled a little. He thought he knew what she meant. Miss Lake declines to be mildly judged on the score of being a lady, he said, and I quite agree with her, so we'll abandon that phraseology. I confess that I was quite unprepared to find such genius in Carlingford. It is a delightful little town. But with no collection of pictures no gallery no masters but here rose who could bear no longer made a dash at last at that elbow which represented to her for the moment all the arrogance and superficial information of criticism papa is the master cried rose and there are two schools of design we gained six prizes and willie had all his first training precisely said the archdeacon in his bland tones schools of design are admirable things in their way they develop what one may call the superficial talent which pervades the community, but to find a real power such as this may develop into, in a town so destitute of the means of instruction, says a great deal for human nature. Sentim, you are a connoisseur. You know what I mean. Why you should not have a yearly exhibition at Carlingford, for example, when there is an amount of native talent which can produce a sketch like this, I cannot conceive. Look how finely characterized are the different figures and such depth of feeling in the accessories this piece of drapery for example i am sure all our thanks are due to miss lake for suffering us to see her production i should like you to examine it well centum said the archdeacon and then passed it to mr centum's hand to tell the truth mr centum would have differed from mr Beverley had he dared for it is all very easy for a stranger to speak about native talent Whereas, for a man who lives in the town, and may be expected to foster a rising artist in a more substantial way than by mere praise, it is a very different matter. But then the banker knew that to differ from the archdeacon, a man who is in the very best society, and indeed quite familiar at Windsor, would be to make a summary end of the reputation he himself enjoyed as a connoisseur. So he drew near, and looked at the drawing, and echoed Mr. Beverley's sentiments, but naturally in a modified way. "'But as for a yearly exhibition, I don't know what to say about that,' said Mr. Centum. "'for you know we'd have to give a prize to tempt a few of the fellows in London to send a picture or two. All that is very easy in theory, but it is much more difficult in practice. It's a very clever drawing. I dare say your father touched it up, did he not? I always said Lake was a very clever fellow in his way, but if it was the very finest beginning ever made, it is only a sketch, and one swallow does not make a summer.' and then said mr centum trying to escape by a joke you know a young lady is never to be calculated upon though as a sketch nothing could be more promising added the man whose character was at stake and then the whole party burst into an animated discussion of the chance of an exhibition at carlingford and the duty of fostering native talent rose stood in the centre of the circle all this time while lily's drawing passed from hand to hand and all this talk went on palpitating with vexation and impatience and keen feminine rage, and unable to get anybody to listen to her. Nobody cared the least in the world whether it was or was not she who had done it. Nobody knew anything about Willie, whether he had made a name or not, who cared? It was a very successful expedient, so far as Lucilla's great work was concerned, and rewarded her pains in a way which it was delightful to contemplate. But then there never was a great work in the world which did not involve a few heartaches to the instruments. And to be truly successful, a person of the highest order of administrative genius must be indifferent to that at the same time it would be quite false to say that miss Marchibanks contemplated any such accompaniment or had the least intention of wounding rose who on the contrary was a great pet of hers but lucilla's eyes were naturally fixed upon her own aim which was it must be confessed of sufficient magnitude to justify a few sacrifices of the rank and file if a great monarch was to count how many soldiers would be killed every time it was necessary to his credit to fight a great battle what would become of the world but then the misfortune was that in this case poor little rose had been quite as intent upon her little aim as was lucilla did not understand that she was there to be bowled over and to make way for the car of triumph when she had restored to her at last the precious drawing which had gained so much praise and which by this time was a little frayed at the edges but to be sure that was only the mounting-board, and looked as if it had seen service, instead of being elated and triumphant as she was expected to be, poor Rose could scarcely keep from crying. Not hers was to be the gratification of helping Willie on his first step towards a name. On the contrary, she felt herself in the horrible position of having usurped his credit, and done him an injury, and put his drawing away in the portfolio with inexpressible feelings, shutting it down over her own poor little work and the veil which had up to this moment held the principal share in her thoughts. Alas, by this time poor Rose had more serious matters to think of, and when she made an attempt privately, when there was some chance of being heard, to rectify the mistake, her effort was equally unsuccessful. She took her chance when she saw Mr. Centum alone, and stole up to him and made her little statement. It was my brother's drawing, not mine, she said, and the banker, who had by this time forgotten all about it, opened his eyes, and stared at her. "'Ah, uh, oh, it was your brother's,' said Mr. Centum, with a little yawn, and the impulse may be forgiven to Rose if she could have seized upon this man, who considered himself a connoisseur, and given him a good shake in her rage and vexation. But then, to be sure, all that impatience did no good, and Rose was not even grateful for the kiss Lucilla gave her when she went away. "'Thank you so much for bringing that beautiful drawing,' Miss Marchbank said." and she meant it quite sincerely, and felt that Rose and her portfolio had helped her to her latest triumph, just as Barbara and her contralto had helped in the earliest. And thus the two representatives of the arts went home in their wounded condition, after having served their purpose. To be sure, Barbara richly deserved her share of the pain, but, at the same time, Lucilla had gone over them both in her triumphal chariot, and they had contributed much to her victory and then neither of them was philosophical enough to feel that to help on even by your own humiliation the success of a great work is worth everybody's while miss marjoribanks had made use of them as a society generally makes use of art and they unfortunately had taken it as the artist generally does take that supreme compliment this was the other side of the picture which lucilla looked upon with such complacent eyes and at the very same moment mrs chiley seeing matters from her point of view confided to her husband her vexation and annoyance at the way in which her young friend neglected her opportunities he is not like what clergymen were in our day said the old lady but still he is very nice and has such a nice position and it would just suit lucilla but to think of her going and leaving him with these late girls notwithstanding the lesson she has had and i have no doubt the little one is just as designing and nasty as the other if it should come to anything she has only herself to blame said mrs chiley As for the colonel, he took it more calmly, as a gentleman might be expected to do. "'You may trust a parson for that,' said the old soldier. "'He knows what he is about. You will never find him make such an ass of himself as young Cavendish did.' But this only made Mrs. Chiley sigh the more. "'Poor Mr. Cavendish,' said the old lady. "'I will never blame him, poor fellow. It was all that deceitful thing laying her snares for him. For my part, I never like to have anything to do with those artist kind of people.' They are all adventurers said the colonel's wife and she went to bed with this unchristian persuasion in her mind thus the matter was regarded on all sides with sentiments differing according to the different points of view and the only person who looked at it abstractly and contemplated not the accidents of the evening but the work itself which was progressing in the face of all kinds of social difficulties was the mastermind which first conceived the grand design of turning the chaotic elements of society in carlingford into one grand unity one may be charitable to the natural feelings of those who have been shot at and ridden over in the course of the combat and one may even sympathize a little with the disgust of the critic who can see the opportunities which have been neglected after the day was won but in reality it is only the eye of the general who has planned it who can estimate the true importance of each individual fight in the campaign and when we announced that Miss Marchbanks herself was satisfied, there remains little more to say. As for the archdeacon, he, as was natural, knew nothing about the matter. He said again, with the natural obtuseness which is so general among the gentlemen, that it had been a very pleasant party. She has a fine, clear, candid nature, said Mr. Beverley. I should think such a person must exercise an influence for good on society, which no doubt was true enough. This was how Lucilla, by sheer dint of genius, triumphed over all the obstacles that stood in her way, and without music, without the county people, and without Mister Cavendish, still continued with renewed eclat her weekly success. But though she was satisfied with the evening, it would be vain to deny that there were perturbations in the mind of Miss Marchbanks. As she laid her head upon her maiden pillow, she said to herself again with profounder fervor that fortunately her affections had not been engaged there were more things than affections to be taken into consideration. Could it be possible that mystery, and perhaps imposture, of one kind or another, had crossed the sacred threshold of Grange Lane, and that people might find out, and cast in Lucilla's face the dreadful discovery, that a man had been received in her house, who was not what he appeared to be? When such an idea crossed her mind, Miss Marchbank shivered under her satin quilt. Of course, she could not change the nature of the fact, one way or another." but at least it was her duty to act with great circumspection, so that, if possible, it might not be found out. For Lucilla appreciated fully the difference that exists between wrong and discovery. If any man was imposing upon his neighbours and telling lies about himself, it was his own fault. But if a leader of society were to betray the fact of having received and petted such a person, then the responsibility was on her shoulders. It dismayed Miss Marchbanks, and at the same time, it gave a tinge of excitement to the future in which there might be and no doubt were crowds of unrevealed archdeacons and undiscovered men of the world on their way to carlingford all knowing something about somebody and bringing with them an ever-recurring succession of difficulties and triumphs it was prudence that was the great thing that was required and not to give too hasty heed to anything nor to put oneself in the wrong way by any alarmist policy fortunately the respectability of dr marchbanks's house was enough to cover its guests with a shining buckler. Thus Lucilla calmed down her own apprehensions, and succeeded in convincing herself that if the impostor, whom the archdeacon had seen, had been really received in Grange Lane, it was so much the worse for the impostor. But that, in the meantime, in the lack of evidence, it was much the best thing to take no notice. If there was any one else in Carlingford who regarded that past danger with a livelier horror and a more distinct fear, certainly miss marchbanks had no way of knowing it and nobody had been remarked in a despondent condition or indeed in anything but the highest spirits in the course of this thursday except the ungrateful creature who had done so much mischief intolerant as lucilla was it would have been going beyond the limits of nature to have expected that she could have been profoundly sorry for barbara lake but at the same time poor barbara though she was not an elevated character had gone home in a very sad state of mind she had taken courage to ask Mrs. Woodburn about her brother, and Mrs. Woodburn had made the very briefest and rudest response to her question, and had taken off her woe looks almost to her very face. And no one had shown the least sympathy for the forsaken one. She had not even been called from her solitude to sing, which might have been something, and it was Rose, as she said to herself, who had attracted all the attention. For, like most selfish people, Barbara, though keenly aware of her own wrongs, had no eyes for the humiliation and pain to which her sister had been subjected. "'I feel as if I should never see him more,' she said, quite subdued and broken down, with a burst of tears, as the two went home. And poor little Rose, who was soft-hearted, forgot all her disapprobation and sympathy. "'Never mind them, dear, they have no feeling. We must cling together, all the closer, and try to be everything to each other,' Rose said, with eyes which were full, but which would not shed any tears.' her mind was overflowing with mortification and wounded pride, and at the same time she said to herself that all that was nothing in comparison to the wound of the heart under which Barbara was suffering. "'Dear, never mind, we will be everything to each other,' said the poor little romantic Rose, and the elder sister, even in the depths of her dejection, could have given her a good shake for uttering such an absurd sentiment, for a great deal of good it would do to be everything to each other.' as if that could ever replace the orange-blossoms and the wedding tour, and the carriage and handsome house which were included in the name of Cavendish. And he was such a dear, she said to herself in her own mind, and wept, and made her eyes redder and redder. If Mr. Cavendish had known all that was going on in Carlingford that night, the chances are that he would have been most flattered by those tears which Barbara shed for him under the lamps in Grove Street." But then it is to be hoped he would not have been insensible either to the just reticence and self restraint which, mingling with Miss Marchbanks's suspicions, prevented her, as she herself said, even in the deepest seclusion of her own thoughts, from naming any name. End of chapter nineteen. Recording by Michelle Crandall, Fremont, California, October two thousand ten.